What's up, guys? Welcome back to another daily Bible reading snapshot. Today, we're looking at Exodus 22, 23, and 24, and we're still talking about the laws that God gives at Mount Sinai. Obviously, we know the most famous ones in Exodus 20, those 10 commandments, but chapter 21, as you read it yesterday, hopefully, will show you, wow, God has a lot to say about how he expects people to treat one another in this special community of Israelites. Now, as we read the law of God, one thing we said yesterday that I want to repeat today is that we find out something of how God thinks about crime and punishment as we look at this. Very clear as we look at the whole Bible that God is a God of righteousness and morality and justice, and he wants punishment to be enacted. And sometimes, usually he's the one doing the punishment, but in this community, he sets up people to have authority to punish others. In Romans 13, we see that God actually extends that just even beyond the Israelites to all the governments that are in place that he says, hey, if they bear the sword, they don't bear the sword in vain, right? God gives them authority to punish what is wrong and to uphold what is good. Now, obviously not every government does that, but that is their God-given role. And here we're given some explanation on what it looks like for a society to be right and wrong. For example, one of the first thing that happens here, God differentiates between self-defense by killing someone in self-defense and by taking revenge and killing them later. So he says, if someone breaks into your house and it's still nighttime and you put them to death as they break into your house, you're not guilty for their blood. Which you're thinking, well, didn't it say don't murder? Well, because that's not what murder is talking about. This is a different type of death, which is why it's so helpful that we have explanation on what God meant. But then it says, if you wait till the sun comes up and you go try to take revenge and chase this guy out and then you kill him later on, you kill him tomorrow, you make a plan and say, I'm going to go kill him tomorrow, then you're guilty of murder, right? It's a difference even in our laws today. It's really cool that a lot of our laws reflect a lot of what goes on here because in our world today, um, in, at least in America, if someone is attacking you and you um, kill them in self-defense, right, you, as long as they're really attacking your life, um, you're not charged with murder. But if you got attacked and then you got angry and you made this plot and plan to go kill somebody and then you killed them, you'd be a murderer. And that comes from right here because God makes it very clear. And then you're going to read today all these different things um, about what it looks like for them um, to have a just and fair society. But then God says some interesting things that we don't often think about. One thing here in chapter 22, verse 8, it says, you shall not revile God nor curse a ruler of your people. So something interesting, we're supposed to look at this and say, I don't want to be a person who speaks evil of the rulers that God has put in place. I mean, in this society, in our society, God has put rulers in place, and we need to be careful that we don't speak evil against them. And then in chapter 23, we get more. Uh, it says, hey, don't be partial to the rich and take a bribe. He says in verse 8, this is Exodus 23, 8, and you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. For example, if you had someone, say a rich person, who was in trouble for a certain crime, but then bribed the judge, the judge now is sitting with this money thinking, well, in order for me to get this, accept this bribe, I need a rule in favor of this rich person. Well, I know they did what was wrong, but because I want this money, I guess I'll just rule in favor of them. That's a classic example of a bribe blinding the, the eyes of someone who's supposed to give justice. And he says, don't do that. Then in chapter 23, we see more laws, some of them about festivals and how they're supposed to keep those. Um, it says um, some of these people, they need to be careful that when they go into the land, they need to actually drive these people out. Because if they don't, the 
Canaanite Baals and the Canaanite gods will be a snare to them. They're going to be entrapped by their sinful ways. And then chapter 24 goes on that it says the covenant is confirmed. So this is where the people agree. It's like, okay, we heard the laws. We're going to agree to it. Now, this is not the fullness of the law. We're going to continue to read about the law for the next a couple months here as we're reading the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, especially in Deuteronomy, we get really a good summary of what the law is for these Israelites. But as we continue to read, we need to know that there's something important about agreeing to do what it says. They need to agree to the covenant because there's two parts to this covenant. They God makes a promise, but they need to keep this covenant. And we're going to see how the Old Testament scriptures show us that the people of Israel constantly broke the covenant. They were unfaithful to it. We see that, I think, most graphically in the book of Hosea, where God says, you guys have cheated on me. You've left the covenant. Just like a wife might leave a husband, says, you've left me because I made this covenant to you. You were supposed to keep it, but you didn't. So just interesting as we look at these laws, there's so much to it. But the big thing I want you to take away is we learn something about how God thinks about things. And I, and I hope you do, I hope you want to think like God thinks about things. I want to think like God thinks about things. So even as you read this, this should this should inform your worldview on what you think is right and what you think is wrong based on how God says it. So that's Exodus. We're looking today at Matthew chapter 20 in the New Testament. Now, we just looked at that parable of the vineyard and how some of the last will be first and some of the first will be last. Jesus tells them, the disciples, hey, I'm going up to Jerusalem for a third time and I'm going to be put to death. And they had a really hard time with this. And afterwards, it says immediately after, we've got James and John, whose mother, they come to, to Jesus and they say, hey, the mother and speaks and she says, hi, I, Jesus, I want my sons to be the most important people in the kingdom of God. Can you make that happen? And Jesus says, look, you don't even know what you're asking for. And then the disciples get mad at these two brothers because their mommy asked Jesus, right? So this is a bad move for, for James and John, but their mom asked Jesus and, and there's all this fighting going on and Jesus settles them down and says, look, it's not supposed to be like this in my church. It's not supposed to be like this in my future kingdom. It's not going to be like this. The great people in the future kingdom are the ones who right now make themselves the servant of all. Just as the son of man has come not to be served, but to serve. Now, is there ever going to be a time where Jesus is served by his people? Absolutely. Obviously, I mean, think, read the book of Revelation. There's so much worship and service to Jesus that he rightly deserves. But this text says, look at what Jesus came to do. He came to serve others. And we need to think very clearly about our role as Christians. We are called to serve one another too. So that's one big application you can take away today. How can I serve other people? What can I do to lay my life down, so to speak, to serve other people? If you find that, I encourage you, take those opportunities today because in so doing, you're, you're doing what Jesus has called us to do as Christians, to serve one another. So thanks for reading. We'll see you back tomorrow for another daily Bible reading snapshot.